Hey, we're so glad you could join us on our podcast today. We hope this message equips and inspires you. And if you're ever in the Liverpool area, we would love to have you join us at one of our services. Our service times are 11am and 6pm. For now, though, enjoy this podcast. You know, what's funny is um, when Vicky and I were away on that holiday, um, one afternoon when we were just in our room getting ready to go down for dinner, there was a knock at the door which is odd when you're in a hotel, because if you've not rung any room service, you wouldn't normally get visitors knocking on your door in a hotel. Well, she was closest, and because I couldn't be bothered, she went to open the door. So I couldn't actually see the door from where I was sat, and, but it was, her, it was her reaction that got my attention. So I leaned forwards, and there's this boy. He's like seven years old, something like that, six, seven years old this young boy at the door. So I thought, this is going to be interesting. What's going to happen here? It was very clear after just a moment or two that this little kid spoke like zero English at all. He spoke, she asked him his name, he didn't understand. She uh, explained to him that this wasn't his room, didn't get very far with that either. All the time though, he was trying to push his way past her and try and negotiate his way past her to try and get into our hotel room. And I'm kind of like, what's, how's this going to play out? So being the supportive husband that I am, I just kind of watched on from the distance and thought, she's got this covered. It's a seven-year-old boy. How wrong could this go? He's never going to make it past her. Eventually, when there was absolutely no communicating with him at all, and he carried on trying to push his way into our room, she ended up taking him by the hand and walking him all around the hotel grounds while she tried to find his parents. And I'm kind of like... Wow, you know, that's just crazy. But then it made me think, how often in our lives do we kind of behave the same way? You see, that little kid didn't know that he was trying to push his way into our room. He thought it was his room. The door looked exactly the same as the door in the room where he was, stu- where, where he was staying. And the room looked exactly the same as the room where he was staying. And he was convinced that it was us that was in the wrong. But how often... Do we do that in our own lives? How often do we push on a door that's maybe not right for us or pursue something that's not good for us or go the way that maybe we shouldn't be wanting to go? But we're convinced it's not us that's in the wrong. We're convinced we're doing the right thing when in reality, we should be realizing that we need to change something. Like this little boy, he just didn't realize that he needed to change something about the way that he was behaving. Everyone knows what it feels like to want to change something though, right? We've all been in a position where we feel like something in our lives needs to change. I know I've been in that place where I've needed change in some area of my life and I know I'll be there again, but we've all been there. And maybe that's you here today and you think, okay, yeah, there's some area of my life I'd like to change, to be honest with you. Maybe for you, you've been through a situation You've accomplished some change, and some change has happened for you, which has been really awesome and really good. But maybe the change hasn't lasted. Maybe those people are back on the horizon of your life again. Maybe those things have started to creep back into your life again. That that bad situation's just starting to come back close again. The way you are started to revert back again. And that change that you saw that was so positive just hasn't lasted. And you really would love to change. Desperately, you'd love to change but you just don't know how that's possible. It could be something as fundamental as the way you behave. What what are your reactions like? And isn't it so crazy how sometimes 
the simplest thing should seem so easy to us. It should seem so, so straightforward and so easy. But sometimes we struggle, and it's the people who we love the most, the people who are closest to us, who sometimes bear the brunt of our bad behavior. And it seems so simple, and it seems so straightforward. And sometimes you have good days, and good days turn into good weeks, and good weeks turn into good months. But somehow, sometimes, your bad behavior just seems to come back around again. And when we're pushed a certain way, all those good changes that we've made and the, and the progress that we've made seems to be for no good. And you'd, you'd love to move on. You'd love to change. But in honesty, you just don't know how that's possible. Maybe for you, it's an insecurity. Maybe with your insecurity, you feel like it's a mountain that you'll never get over. Possibly at some point in your life, it did improve. But maybe now that thing's overtaking you. And, and honestly, if we had an honest moment, you'd love to be able to walk into a room crowded with people without feeling like, okay, so where am I going to stand? Who am I going to talk to? What am I going to do? You would love that to be your reality, but actually, that's not the case. And it's getting worse, and it's controlling you, and it's taking you down, it's overbearing you. And in reality, you'd love to have a change. You'd love to have that thing in your past forever, but you just don't know how that's possible. What if it's the way that you speak? You know, in the Bible, the Bible says that the mouth speaks the overflow of the heart. In other words, what's inside comes out. Maybe when you're tired, maybe when you're stressed, maybe when you're busy, maybe when you've had a hard day. But sometime, somewhere, at some point, what's inside you just finds a way of coming out. Is your speech negative or is it just plain bad? Is it just bad, bad speech? Do you speak badly about other people? And maybe because now you can realize that other people in your sphere can see it because you can see it yourself. You can notice it on yourself and think, I can see this now. So I'm really sure that other people can see this also. And honestly, you'd love to be able to change the way you speak. But when you're around them, they push all your buttons. And when you're around them, it's unhelpful. And no matter how many times you try and get better, it never really seems to improve. And you'd love a permanent change. You would love it. But it just doesn't seem possible. What about money? Are you any good with money? Do you ever feel like maybe you're not one of the ones who's ever supposed to have anything left over at the end of the month? Do you, do you see other people who are able to go on nice holidays and able to have nice things and able to bless others and able to give, but in reality, your, your life just doesn't kind of look like that and you're just not that great with money? In your, in your life, is it, is it the story that, like the old saying goes, why is there always so much month left at the end of the money? Is that your reality? Is that where you live your life? Unable to be able to save, unable to be able to give, is it just because when the weekend comes round, you just can't say no to that night out, and the night out comes with new clothes and new shoes and fake tan and a haircut and acrylic nails, and that's just the boys. And in reality, you'd love it if that was able to change. You would love it if that wasn't your spending pattern, but in reality, it is because you just don't have any self-control when it comes to your money. And you realize that you're not getting any younger. And you realize that the house deposit that you've been saving for is growing ever further away. And you realize that the holiday that you want to go on is just never going to materialize. But you just don't know if that's possible. What is it today 
that you've walked in here with that you would desperately love to change? What is there that's in the forefront of your mind as you sit here now that you realize you would love to change about your personality or about your life? Is it that you've got a problem with someone in church? Do you have a bad heart towards that person? Or is it that you're trying to be somebody who you're not? What is there in our lives today here that we realize needs to change? As I've already been speaking, you, you could have already said to yourself, well, do you know, honestly, for me, this is the thing. It's this. If, if we were having an honest conversation, this is the thing that I need to change. And I know I need to change it, to be honest with you, but I just feel like I've, I've made positive progress in the past and I, and I just can't do that. And I'm not sure that, yes, it did change once, but I'm not sure that's even possible anymore. So I'm really not going to bother with that. But yeah, absolutely, I would love this to change. Well, tonight, the good news is, in the short time we've got available, I'm just going to have a little look at the answer to one question. And the question is this, how do I achieve successful change? because that's what we all want, right? And it's totally possible. It is totally possible to change the way you speak, change the way you act, change the way you behave with others, change the way you live. It's totally possible to be able to change those things. And it's with a few basic principles. It's with very small changes that we will be able to make a lasting, positive, permanent change that doesn't have to end like every other time that you've tried. You know, I don't know about you, but I love it when I read the Bible and when we find the answer for something that we're currently going through in the Scriptures, because the Scriptures are a living book. And I love the fact that when you read these stories of all these biblical heroes and all these guys in the Bible just going about doing their lives, I love it when you find out that the very thing that you're going through is the very thing that maybe they were going through and the mechanisms that they used to get past if you use those same things, because the Bible's a living book and we apply those words to our life, I love the fact that we can actually find a way to get past a lot of the same stuff that they went through that we're going through in our lives. I find that fascinating about God's word. And there's a very, very short story in John chapter 21, which Luke started looking at just a few weeks ago. And we're going to have a little look at it now. And uh, it's just about some guys who were living life just doing their job, which was fishing, and to be dead honest, not doing a great job in as much as they were catching no fish. So, you know, ineffective fishermen there. They were having no success, failing in their primary function as fishermen until Jesus turns up and all of a sudden change happens. So where we join the story, we find them on the shore in the evening, and this is where we join the story. One of them decides he's going to go and get in the boat. So John 21 verse 3. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat. But that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. Now here comes the change he tells them to make. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did... They were unable to haul in the net because of the large number of fish. So here's these guys. They're on this boat. They've been out all night and they've got nothing. Fished all night and caught zero. Then 
But let's just get the story straight, Atty, just before we go there. Okay, so these were not novice fishermen. This was not their first rodeo. They'd been out before in a boat. This is not their first time out. They knew what they were doing. They were seasoned fishermen. It was what they did every day for their job. This was their function in life, was to fish, and they knew what they were doing. So can you imagine what their reaction could have been when Jesus, who they didn't even understand was, was himself, they didn't even recognize it was him, just basically some guy on the shore says to them, no fish? And they went, like, no. Well, if you throw the nets on the other side, you'll get some. Can you imagine what their reaction could have been? I don't know about you, but I've, I've been watching Deadliest Catch now for a while because I am that guy. I'm that one who finds it on Dave. And Deadliest Catch, when you watch Deadliest Catch, when they name a channel after you, come on. I mean, it's like, <laughs> they name a channel after you, you're going to watch it. But when, when, when you watch Deadliest Catch, those guys that are on those boats off the coast of Alaska, it's like, if, if they were out all night, and these are, these are like rough guys, these are like, Proper men, you know, the growing hairs on their eyeballs. They're like proper men. If they were out all night and they're catching those huge king crab and they came back after like one night with no king crab at all, because these things are like worth pure money. They are well expensive. If they got back, I wouldn't want to be the guy on the harbour wall going, hey lads, no crab? And, and they're like, no. If you throw the crab pots off the other side of the boat, then you'll get some. You see, I've seen the way they treat their rookies on those boats. They get battered. They get absolutely battered on a daily basis. I don't think that that guy would go down too well. I would not want to be that guy. But the disciples in this story, they're very, very different. They're very different. We don't get told why their reaction was different, but it just was. They heard what Jesus said, and we don't get told why they process the information in the way that they do. But for whatever reason, Jesus said, throw the nets on the other side of the boat, and they just did it. I feel like they're very different to every one of us. Can you imagine if um, you're in your daily work, doing your daily function, doing whatever it is you do for employment, and for whatever reason, you're going through a season of not being too successful, Maybe the orders aren't coming in. Maybe you're just distracted. Maybe you're tired. Maybe you've gone through a season of being non-productive and it's stressing you out and you're getting to the end of yourself and you're like, what on earth is going wrong in my life? Why aren't I doing any good in work? And then one day, some guy comes and knocks on the window of your office and is like, uh, not doing too well at the moment, no. And you're like, no. Well, well, if you do it like this, if you input the numbers like this, then, then, then you'll be better. Would you listen? I, I don't feel like any of us would listen. Honestly, I don't feel like I would. I, I just feel like we would just be like, no, that's, that's not what I'm going to do. I know what I'm doing. But these guys didn't react like that. These guys just didn't. They, they processed the information differently. They did what Jesus said they were going to do. And I feel like all of the answers to all of the things that are in all of our minds that we maybe need to change. I feel like those answers are in the Bible. They're all in this story. And there's three very short points I've got tonight which just kind of illustrate and unpack those answers. And the very first point is this. If we want to achieve lasting change in our lives, then the first point is a small change makes a big difference. A small change makes a big difference. 
Think about it. Jesus was only asking those guys to throw the net on the other side of the boat, not the other side of the ocean. He didn't go to them and he didn't say, guys, we've got a problem. Everything is wrong about this. The weather's not right and the boat's too small and there aren't enough of you and this is just a nightmare and everything needs to change here. He just said, swap sides. He didn't say everything else was wrong. He could have analyzed the whole story, but all he said was, swap sides. If that was me and he said swap sides, I'd be like, yeah, okay, why? Because if the boat's there and the nets go down here or the nets go down there, it's the same bit of water underneath the boat. Like, like why? Why should I do that? There's no difference. What's the point? But let's not forget at this point, they don't even know it's Jesus that they're talking to. But for some reason, they were just open to the suggestion and they made the change, which made all the difference. It was a very small change that made a very, very big difference. And you know, sometimes in life, the smallest of changes have the biggest effect. I remember in conversation um, a few weeks ago now, and um, Luke had spoken to Courtney and myself, and he'd said, um, why don't you guys come with me on a free guest pass to my gym on a Monday morning? Kind of start the week with something healthy. Now, even though Luke doesn't ever use it, I know that the gym he goes to has a pool, has a sauna, has a steam room. So I'm like, amen, preach, I'm in, count me in, great, no problem at all. I'll be there Monday morning, you tell me the time, give me a postcode, I'll show up. So Monday morning, we show up at this gym, and in my mind, I've already gone there, I've baked in the sauna and had the whole mud pack thing. I'm not afraid, I'm a 21st century boy. So like, I've done that whole relaxed thing, and I was like, but you ought to know something about Luke. He's actually more suited to being a drill sergeant in the Marines than he is to running a church. So when we all arrived at the gym, we all tipped up at the, at the normal time. We were taken straight to the weights area. And he was like, I was thinking, well, the pool's that way. And I know I passed a sign that said sauna, but everything's in the wrong direction here. So he says, I thought we'd lift some weights first and then maybe have a quick dip afterwards. How's that sound? Well, what self-respecting guy can say no to that? I mean, come on, you know, you're standing with weights in front of you and the guy's going, I thought we'd lift some weights. So, you know, me and Courtney, we sucked it up. And I'm not going to lie, we weren't breaking any records at all. But I'd like you to bear this in mind. Before that day, I hadn't been near, I hadn't crossed the threshold of a gym for over 10 years. Literally over 10 years. Now, I don't know about you guys, but... If you've ever done any physical exertion or physical activity or anything, after a very long period out, you ache maybe 24, 48 hours later. Well, when we finished, even though we hadn't broken any records, as I say, the pain was pretty instant for me, which was concerning. I was like, oh, ah, this feels a bit, this is uncomfortable. But the following morning, I nearly called 999 and asked them to send me a paramedic. I was in so much pain. It was horrendous. It was like I couldn't get my T-shirt on. I could barely drive. Washing was a joke. It was awful, the pain I was in. And the smallest of changes to my Monday morning had just ruled literally the next seven days. It was like I chose to do one thing different for an hour on a Monday morning. And then Vicky ends up washing, feeding, and clothing me for the next week. It was just 
crazy how much that small decision affected the rest of my week. But you know, a really helpful way and a really accessible way to make this whole change thing possible, a really practical way to make that happen, is a thing called habit stacking. It's a way to break down a huge goal into achievable chunks, which just make it more accessible for us all to do. If you can pack on small habits, each one of which moves you towards your goal, it makes that whole thing far less daunting. Probably the reason why New Year's resolutions just aren't that effective sometimes, because we try and change the world overnight. Whereas if we just were able to pack on these small habits, each one of which moves us like a building block towards our goal, it just becomes more accessible. And, and I believe that the Bible is the ultimate authority on life. It's the ultimate authority on everything. But every one of us here today knows that right behind the Bible in second place is Google. And Google says it takes 21 days to form a habit. So habit stacking is totally easy. 21 days at a time, you can pack on great habits into your life and you can change the pattern of your world just through a very practical thing like stacking good habits. And it makes the achievement of your change very practically possible. You know, the second point is this tonight. If we're going to achieve lasting change in our lives, we need to learn to move on. We have to learn to move on. Thinking about your past and thinking about what you had to change and thinking about what, what needed to change in retrospect after, after you've seen it change is so unhelpful. Think about it. In verse 12, where we didn't get to in the story, but later on, Jesus says to the guys, now your nets are full, great. Come and have some breakfast. Read it for yourself in verse 12. He moves straight on. God moves on. Why can't we? He just said, that's awesome. Now you've got your blessing, guys. Come and eat some food. He just moved on. He didn't go back over all of the stuff and relive it. He didn't unpack all the reasons as to why he told those guys to throw the nets over the other side of the boat. And this is the things I was trying to explain to you. And these are the points I was trying to make to you. And this is what could have gone wrong. And all the whys and what ifs and the wherefores. He didn't go through any of that. He simply blessed them and they all moved on. You know, Jesus died to take on board everything that we struggle with. He died on a cross to take on board everything that you want changed in your life, everything that I want changed in my life, everything that we can't manage together. That's exactly why he went to the cross. So you need to know that you can move on because your past is your past. Whether it was 10 minutes ago or 10 years ago, that makes not an atom of difference in this place tonight because Jesus died for all of those things that we can't do. So you need to know that if you've come in here with something that you want changing, and your past is your past, whether it's 10 minutes or 10 years ago, then you need to know that by the time you leave here, that's in your past, and you can move on without that thing. Through the power of what Jesus accomplished on the cross, you can leave here different, and you can leave here moved on with some things in your past. You may be here right now, and you may say, yeah, as you've been talking, sure, I need to change some things. I need some things in my past. But I'm pretty sure I've tried every single thing I know how to do. I've tried everything, and I'm still no further forward. So you tell me, if I've tried everything I know how to do, 
and I'm still no further forward? How do I make that happen? Well, that's my point exactly. You may have tried everything that you know how to do. And maybe now it's time to give it to God and let him do what only he can do. Because you can try everything that you know how to do. But until you make that conscious effort, that conscious decision to say, Lord, I'm leaving this with you now. I can't handle this anymore. It's been with me for long enough and I can't go on like this. I just can't deal with this anymore. Until you get to that point, you're not giving him full control as quickly and as easily as I'm talking to you now, you could talk to him in exactly the same way. God, I can't do this anymore. I can't carry this anymore. This has been with me for far too long. I admit defeat. I'm ready to move on. And I am giving this to you. And he's big enough to take it, which, by the way, is you putting your faith in Jesus into action. And when you do that, then you make that conscious decision to move past that thing and then you can truly move on. <clears throat> you know, moving on like, looks like choosing not to spend all your money and making that decision and sticking to it. When you get that phone call, do you want to go out? Moving on just looks like making a decision to say no. Moving on looks like praying for that person, the one who pushes all the buttons in the right order, the one who you just think about and, you, and you, they just set your teeth on edge. Moving on looks like praying for them and asking God to bless them and going out of your way to be kind and just to say something nice to them, which is hard. That's what moving on looks like. It looks like surrounding yourself with good people who are further down the line than you, who are more experienced than you, who, are, who is somebody who you would want to aspire to be. Moving on looks like that. Moving on looks like asking for help and surrounding yourself with incredible people. Do you know, even some of the most successful business CEOs in the world ask for help. Did you know that Steve Jobs, founder and creator of Apple, when he needed help, he made a phone call to Bill Gates, Microsoft's owner, Apple's biggest competitor, and he asked him for help? That's not a sign of weakness. That's being smart. That's boxing clever. That's surrounding yourself with people who are better than you, who you realize can pull you up, who you always bleed up, who, who realize who, who you're surrounding yourself with people who are just going to further you and, and have got your best interest at heart. You know, moving on looks like reading a little bit of Bible every day. And just before you do, just say to God, would you just speak to me about that thing that I need you to speak to me on before you open those pages Moving on looks like reading a bit of Bible and just asking that God would, would open, his, open his voice to you just before you do. Instead of focusing on all the things that you don't have, maybe thank him for all the things that you do have. Instead of focusing on the bad, focus on the good. Because the bottom line is, when God sees you doing all you can do and praying and surrounding yourself with good people and forming good habits, when God sees you doing everything that you know is possible, when he sees you do that, he then gets busy doing everything that he knows that you can't do. The third thing, and probably the most important thing that we need to do if we want to see a lasting change, is we need to remember that God will stretch us, but he will never break us. He will stretch you, but he will never, ever break you. In other words, you may feel the pinch in your life, but God will never tear your net. 
That net was full to bursting. We know it was full because those boats had to actually tow it back. If you read on in the story again, those boats had to tow that thing back in the water because they couldn't get the fish out of the water and onto the, onto the boat. We know how full it was, but the net still didn't break. Stretch can look like so many things in our lives. It could be a direct answer to prayer. You could have prayed for a job promotion. You could have prayed for a family. You could have prayed for a relationship. You could have prayed for all those things and your stretch might come in the form of a greater workload or an increased amount of hours. It might be a direct answer to prayer. But while God's answering your prayer, he's never going to break you. He's only ever going to stretch you. A lot of the times in life, the stretch comes at the hard times and at the difficult times. And before I worked here at the church, I spent many, many years working in car sales and I would frequently find that I would get to the end of a month and maybe if the sales were scarce, the way the commission system works is you need to sell cars because if you don't sell cars, you don't earn any money. And you get to the end of the month and frequently I would find that I would be almost praying harder at the end of the month. It's very unchristian, I know. Don't judge me, you're exactly the same. But like, I'd get to the end of the month and I would almost pray harder because I didn't have those sales. And I thought, I've got all these bills. I've got things I need to do and things I need to pay for, but I haven't got any money to do it. And then all of a sudden, things would turn around and I'd end up with loads of car sales. I'd end up working my lunches and staying late and going in early. And it was a direct answer to prayer. And I was stretched big time, but I wasn't broken because God never tore my net. He always gave me just what I could deal with. Would I have liked it if they were all spread out through the month, every single month? Yeah, that would have been nice. But you know, it kept me reliant on him and he did stretch me and he grew me and he grew my capacity and he grows yours too. And a lot of times I say that comes in the form of the difficult days that we go through. And none of us relish that thought. None of us look forward to those difficult days. And I'm not standing here telling you that life with God is easy because boy, oh boy, sometimes it's not. But he will never, ever break you. So what about you? What about you here today? As I've been speaking and you have maybe thought of that thing and you say, yeah, now that you mention it, yeah, there is something in my life. There's this. And I've had it for far too long and I feel like it's time is up. And I do, I want to change. I've had enough. I can't deal with it anymore and I want to move past it. And yeah, I've tried to give it to God before now and I've kind of tried to speak to him. But if I'm honest, I don't feel like he hears. So why would he listen to a me? You don't even know me. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know what I've done. You don't know what I did just yesterday. You don't know what I said to that person when I was walking to church tonight. You don't know me. Why would God listen to me? Maybe that's you here tonight and you're just desperate to move past some things in your life. And if that's you, this whole time, we've been looking at this story tonight, there's been such a truth staring us in the face and you cannot leave this place tonight without hearing it because it's this one truth that changes everything about this story. So the good news is, even if you've zoned out tonight and gone on Facebook, aka the Bible app, or you've fallen asleep, that's totally cool 
Because this one point that I'm about to have tonight makes the difference to everything. And it's so important that you hear this one thing before you leave this place tonight. Because it's this point that means you can walk free in total, total freedom. And you can change forever. And here we go. Let's just loop back to the beginning of verse 4. The first few words which simply say this. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore. Early in the morning, he stood on the shore. And I read that scripture, 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 and I read that story so many times. And then that just popped at me. You want to know whether or not Jesus would listen to you? He was on the shore the whole time. The guys were in the boat wanting something to change, and he was on the shore. The guys were struggling to fish, didn't catch anything all night. He was on the shore. He could see them. He was close enough to have a conversation with them, and he was on the shore the entire time. Not only did he know where they were, but he was on the shore the whole time. And you may sit here and you may say, great. So Jesus was on the shore, and he spoke to some guys on a boat. Awesome. What does that mean for me? What does that mean for you? Well, the amazing news for us all here tonight is that is it just possible that that change that you so want in your life results in Jesus standing on the shore of your life, looking at you, waiting to engage in conversation with you. You've been desperate for a change. You've been barren of a change. You've been absolutely longing for a change to happen with you. And Jesus has been stood on the shore of your life the entire time. He can see you. He can speak to you. And he's desperate. He's desperate to speak to you. He's saying, haven't you got any fish? Do you want to change? What can I do for you? He's asking you to engage in conversation with him. And that's where he is right now. And I read that and I thought, that's how this whole thing works. He's there on the shore of your life, waiting desperately to love you. He's filled with compassion for you. He's filled with hope for you. He just wants you to engage in conversation with him. And when we grasp the fact that he is on the shore of our life, desperately waiting for us to speak to him and communicate with him and link with him. When we get hold of the fact that he never lets us out of his sight in the same way that a parent never lets their baby out of their sight, when we understand that that's the father heart of the God that we serve and he is so desperate to speak to you, then that breaks down every barrier. We often say in church, if You were a thousand paces from God and you took one towards him. He will run the other 999 and come to you. And that's where he is right now. So you need to know that if you've walked in here with something that you want to change, then I'm here to tell you that he's on the shore of your life. And the only thing, the only thing you need to do is engage in conversation with him because he is desperate to help you. So as we make the changes we can make, And as we stack good habits and as we move ourselves towards our goal, all the time learning to read the Bible and asking trusted friends for help, which will help us to move on. And as we remember that he is a good father who will never, ever break us, we will find the lasting change that we so want. Church, time's gone. Stand with me while we pray.